never going live. <laughs> Some heat at work for this. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. What are you reading now? Uh, you don't even, you're not even reading a book, you liar. So, okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. I got to make this paper airplane real quick. Hey, everybody. What are you wearing? Thanks, everybody, for the support. It means a lot to us. I didn't expect to get this much positive feedback. I thought it was going to be, I didn't think there was going to be like haters per se, but there's some people that reached out that I didn't expect to. So that's awesome. Thanks, you guys. They're just being nice. Yeah, I know. They don't really like us. You got some real issues if you want to listen to two idiots like us. Have you seen the Spectrum series? I haven't. No. It's all behind the scenes stuff where a lot of famous racers are talking about some of their hardships or some of the challenges they've they've faced yeah. not just as athletes but as personal stuff like, yeah um so i know when i i know when i personally watch that stuff it it's like it's like a feeling of uh yeah it's a feeling of being like oh man like everybody goes through it too like you're not not the only one because sometimes you feel like your problems are just your problems yeah, for and, sure. and they're only exclusive to you. And then, so maybe that causes you to feel hard done by or you're whatever, but that like, I feel like that's, I feel like a lot of people are looking for something like this because then it feels like, like we were saying, they can relate the pilot to episode it. is that you can relate and you don't feel alone. Yeah. If I was somebody watching this, I wouldn't want, here just about just about your moto yeah, my, struggles. my uh my gym workouts are so hard and yeah they make but that's cry. also a part of it too right like learning how to course, yeah. get yourself through that kind of stuff and how to trick your mind and stuff like that yeah week i've been hella bent on doing this podcast not because i think we're we're super good at it because we're clearly not <laughs> but because it's a challenge and it's a struggle like i find i always struggle to articulate my thoughts and kind of explain them right so i'm excited to try and get better at this stuff mm. and excited to you know kind of learn a new skill i guess so i'm excited on that and it's it is a struggle so i guess that leads us to our first topic today our only topic i guess the struggle the struggle the struggle the life the struggle life. the moto struggle any kind of struggle like life struggle moto struggle financial struggle whatever you call it so what 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 do you what what was today's struggle today's struggle what was, was today's challenge well today's challenge was thinking about work when i'm thinking about doing a podcast tonight that was the big struggle that was the struggle i well no not really just getting through the work day you know it's like i want to be doing this stuff this stuff is you know it's it's challenging i feel like I've been at my job for so long. It's not really a challenge anymore. This is a challenge for me. It's like something new, something different. Something feels like there's a purpose. There's a purpose. Yeah. Something, something to look forward to, you know, getting better. For the people that don't know you, you're a journeyman red seal welder work at um, steel fabrication shop. We do uh, structural warehouses, stuff like that. I'm uh, also a third year apprentice uh, metal fabricator. So not just welding, I'm assembling and measuring and all that kind of stuff. So, but you're kind of at the point where you 
have worked through a lot of your schooling, a lot of your tests, a lot of your hours. And probably at the time it was really exciting and, and it was something new, a challenge, something you're working through and you're kind of at the end and you feel like there's nothing more to continue or gain from it. It's just, it's not like something that's, you're constantly kind of chewing at and, and trying to progress with. I mean, a little bit like next week, uh, I'm lead hand also, and the foreman's away next week. So I got to run the shop. So that's a bit of a challenge, but that only happens like one or two weeks out of the year. Yeah. So, but yeah, otherwise like in my daily job, it's like I started working there when I was really young and I did my whole apprenticeship program through high school and yeah, I kind of like, I was really excited. There was a point where I thought that I just wanted to be a welder my whole life, like even a couple of years ago. But as I've got to a point where, you know, it's kind of like you don't see the next step. Yeah. It's kind of tough. Like the foreman just retired and now the lead hand is now the foreman and he's going to be foreman for the next 20 years. So like I'm kind of in a spot where I'm going to be just kind of maxed out for the next, you know, 20 years or whatever it is. So it's kind of like I'm looking for something new and i'm kind of searching for what i'm like what i want to do next like well i guess you're a guy too that's always like being a racer you've always grown up as as a kid that's always constantly trying to progress like that's what you yeah. do as a oh, racer yeah. right 100%. so i guess like starting this whole the whole podcast idea is something it's back to base or it's, back to square one yeah you're it's, back to being at the bottom of the totem pole and we're just a couple of shitty podcasters that are trying to improve right like we're just trying to get better and it's exciting it's exciting to be and it's it's meaningful to be the guy that sucks the guy that sucks at something and you got a purpose and you're working towards something and you you can see where it could go and you i know like for me i feel this is something that i'll go back to like saying like there's a purpose for me, I feel like this is more worthwhile to me and I feel like I'm doing something positive versus just going through the most yeah, motions going through the nine, motions. nine to five. And obviously this is a challenge too. It's not easy. It's not it's not easy trying to flow through your speech and, yeah, and say words properly. It's, and, a, str- it's and, a struggle. Like, and put yourself seriously. out there on social media. Yeah, it's not even just that you're just saying you're, we're having a conversation, but everyone out there can judge what I say. It's it's yeah. something that's a whole new element to anything I've ever been through. Yeah. Whole so, new challenge. Um, what are the kind of the struggles you've been going through lately? Um, eh, well, for me, it was a pretty gravy year. Uh, had the opportunity to race on a, on a big team with lots of resources and, and lots of staffing and, and had a terrific opportunity that I always dreamed of. Um, so really can't complain about that, but it's also a challenge in the sport to keep the train rolling. And, uh, but for me over the years, I've, I've learned to like, for me racing motorcycles, there's, there's a purpose. Like it, First, like it might sound cliche to say, but like a lot of people say, like, "Oh, this is my destiny." Well, like, 
I don't think this is my destiny, but this is just something that it's like you lie awake at night thinking about it. It's what you think about all day. It's where your true passion is, right? Yeah, it's just it's something that just comes natural and and everything like even though it's there's many tough days and there's many down days and 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 obviously it gets rewarded by by the highs but um the challenges they're always driven by a motivation to like that's the purpose keeps you going you go through different jobs different careers in in your life and and a lot of it like um that saying you're just going through the motions like the nine to five you're just you show up, clock in, you're basically a zombie all day, do your work, go home, and you collect your paycheck. And which there's nothing wrong with that. There's mm-hmm. nothing collecting money. There's nothing wrong with collecting money so you can go do your passion and your hobby on the weekend, the yeah. things you love doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, like you spend eight hours a day out of twenty four hours, or even more, ten, twelve hours of a day out of twenty four. Like that's a lot of time you're spending in your life doing a job so it might be a little more worthwhile doing a job that is meaningful and you feel like there's purpose yeah so easier said than done though right you got to find a job that pays the bills i got a house to pay for we got this immaculate studio to pay for true but that uh that being said like uh dirt biking is my job right now and it's something i want to stay in but like we touched on in the first episode, there's not really much coming down the pipe for next year. Um, but I've been working tirelessly day after day, trying to line up deals or get somebody to send a contract into to the inbox. Yeah. Um, and that's that's never easy, but that's been going on for me for countless years, trying to stay in this sport because there's just nothing else I want to do right now. And I have no idea when, when that door will close and, and whether it's with opportunity or just mentally that door will close for me and I want to move on to something else. I really don't know when that day is going to come, but it, it almost took, uh, it took a, a good chunk of time to get to that point where you're so resilient to, Put up with all the bullshit to continue doing something you love that is tr- almost trying to tell you like yeah this ain't worth it man like yeah you can go send a resume somewhere else and you'll get paid much more um there's yeah it's a it it, it takes a, a different type of person and a different type of personality to a different type of passion too yeah to to get to that point um yeah i feel like it's hard to leave the sport knowing you still have more left on the table it's the the last thing i want to do is give up and no thinking 10 years oh shit well could have done this could have done that shoulda woulda coulda that's the last thing i want to do so i know i know myself and i know that's exactly where my mind will go mm. And, and you've kind of had a bit of a whirlwind uh, upbringing through racing where you had a pretty successful amateur career. 
definitely one of the top guys in the West and even Canada and had some success down in the States too. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was pretty decent as an amateur. I think, I don't know. I wasn't that good though. Like you were good. I was good. You I was good the- for the West. I was the top guy in the West. And I feel like my last, my last, my second year intermediate, I could have gone to Walton and done really well. I think the best I ever did at Walton was like a third, which is still good, I guess. But Just, well, especially in that time as well, when well, like there the was guys a lot that, of elite racers, the guys that beat me, now. was Cole Thompson and Richard Gray. So those are really elite amateur yeah, and riders. You grew up right? with the likes of Dean and Dean, yeah. Ryan Miller, Todd Sewell, who was a he was a notable amateur back in the day as well. It was a it was a tough crowd, but then you kind of got to the point where. You turned pro. It was tough. It was rocky, right? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was tough. I got injured a lot as soon as, like, I had some good results as an intermediate racing the pros. Like, I got twelfths, thirteenths, like pretty decent results for an mm-hmm. intermediate rider. Yeah, I had a lot of setbacks and injuries, and then I got a job, and then. But I feel like people, a lot of people come up to me and ask me, what do you think you could do if you didn't have to work all the time? Mm-hmm. But I feel like working, ha- like working has definitely taught me a lesson. Like I don't know if I would have made it as far as I did without having that job, right? It's, mm-hmm. It gives you – it's a different perspective. You live in like a real-world situation where you're going to work every day and you're paying your bills and you're going racing on the weekends and it's – it's, it just gives you some perspective, I think. It changed. Do you think it changed your mo- Yeah. I think, I don't know. Like, a lot of, you your... see a lot of guys that have it come easy, and it's, it, you don't see them for that long. And I mean, I don't, really, in and out. I don't want to blow anybody out. I'm like, I'm not talking about anyone specifically, but there's a no, lot of guys. Like, it. since we turned pro in 2010 or 11, whatever it was, there's been a lot of guys that have been really good that have come in and, you don't see them anymore. Like they, they do a couple years pro and then they're like, ah, nah, mm-hmm. this isn't for me. So but you, you were almost at that point too. I was, uh, you know, what changed it for me? What? The year I got, uh, in 2015, I got a really bad concussion. Uh, I tried to keep riding. Couldn't like, I couldn't, I just couldn't, my mind wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ride. I couldn't even go ride for fun. Cause I would just like, I'd get frustrated cause I was, suffering like i don't want to go too much into concussions because i feel like that's a whole different podcast we could do but um yeah so i took a i didn't i thought i was done racing we bought the house i thought i was done i thought i was going to be a welder for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and then i was uh mechanicing for todd sewell and we did the west nationals under your rig and i remember the day it was cam loops 2016 hot as Oh yeah, it I was remember. so hot. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I remember after the races, you guys were sitting around like dying. I'm like, dude, this is the thing I miss the most is like that feeling of satisfaction after you just like conquered the hardest day ever, mm-hmm. and like making your way through that struggle. That's what really keeps me going. Like I mm-hmm. feel like that is my prime motivation just like that feeling you can never beat that feeling yeah so how how do you think you like got to that point because obviously well in I, a flight, like we're we're as humans we're animals and yeah. we have the fight or flight inst- yeah. instinct and 
we don't really like to do things that our heart, our, our bodies and our don't minds want to say do. that like you shouldn't do this. So, well, I like, think obviously you almost have to like get to a point where that you almost coach yourself to do that or well, somebody teaches you a lesson or. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess it goes back to when I was really young. Uh, my dad was really hard on me, which is I'm not calling him out or anything. It's good. It was good for me. Like he was hard. And if, if I remember there's one day at the track, I was, I thought I was riding good, but it was like, I was just kind of riding around and he didn't think I was giving it my all. And he pulled me off the track and he put the bike in the back of the truck and we went home. Didn't talk to me for a couple of days. And, um, a couple that, of days. Yeah. A couple of days. But yeah. that, like that, it kind of really made it sink in for me. Like if I'm not doing something, like if I have more potential than I'm living up to, that really, like I could be doing so much more. That's what he taught me. Mm-hmm. And even one day he didn't, uh, he told me he wasn't coming to my hockey game. And he he went anyway, and he thought I half-assed it. He was pissed. So he was, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's basically sunk that into me from an early age that I like. I if I'm gonna go do something, I got I got to do it properly. I got to go give it my all. Yeah. Or else it's like not worth doing because you have so much potential. He saw the potential in me, and he's like, you got you just got to work at it. You can work at it. Yeah. And so I think that sunk into me from an early age. Uh. Also, I started uh, training with Drew Robertson at Evolve Nutrition pretty young. I was probably 14. And he would do stuff like me and Jolene Van Voot one day. We did a squat challenge, bodyweight squats, till failure. It's the first one to give up loses. Mm-hmm. We probably did a 1,000 squats at one time. Yeah. And I was not – I knew I was not giving up. Like that's the kind of stuff – it just – cements in your brain and it always comes back like you don't even if you're not conscious of it it always comes back mm-hmm. and it's just like there's no worse feeling than knowing you quit when you still had more left yeah that's kind of my mindset on the whole thing yeah or it's like if you do quit you know you had more left but it doesn't kind of move you in some way on an emotional level where like if it doesn't bother you yeah then you're probably not there doing the, the right, right thing reasons. you're not doing what, the right whatever, thing yeah, or you're not doing it for the right reasons or so you've it, lost you've lost your inspiration or passion or, or whatever yeah. it might be right i i i thank him for that stuff like that stuff made me who i am and i wouldn't be the same person if he gravy trained me the whole way yeah you know what i mean yeah oh sure I've kind of, I've had a similar, well, you know, I've had a similar, a similar situation with my old man. Oh, I think anybody does in in, in any sports. Like, well, your parent just wants the best for you, right? They they see potential in you or they see what you could be capable of. And they're just maybe just trying to, uh, cement a kind of mindset in your mind, like what you can do. Like if you really put your mind to it, like that's one thing I've worked, I've learned from working in the shop there's there's always a way to do something if you really want it bad enough like a crane's broken there's a we got to get the cranes running or the trailers aren't getting loaded well guess what you got to find a way to fix it Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is yeah yeah and some people might not have uh those parental figures or 
or whatever that are are hard on them in that way and and uh obviously a lot of successful athletes or businessmen or or uh public icons motivational speakers uh they probably had a mentor that that uh that taught them to to be resilient yeah it's like that david goggins book i was talking about it's he didn't have the parental figures like his mom was he said if she was basically checked out and it took him he taught himself he taught himself he does this thing called the accountability mirror and he posts sticking stick it notes and writes all of his goals and what he's got to do that day on the mirror and he sticks it on there so it reminds him every time he looks in the mirror every time he gets out of the shower or whatever it takes a piss it's there and he's it's reminding him every time mm-hmm. i actually i do that too i got well i can see you got whiteboards all over your house yeah but i got whiteboards all over my place too and i write i write everything down i even if i have a goal in mind um like to really set the goal in stone i have to write it down yeah oh definitely and then i write down i write down the first step to achieving that goal like what is that what is the step i'm going to make that day to achieving that goal and and it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's the first step and as long as you take it it's like the whole they say a lot of successful people the first thing they do in the morning is make their bed because they've achieved one task. And yep. once you achieve one task, you start banging off the rest. Yeah. Have you so, read uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life? No. It's the one, it's a good one too. You should, it's like his first rule, make your bed every day. Clean your room, clean your room up. It's just like, it just sets just the tone. something out of the way. It, it just the sets tone. the tone. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm an organized guy. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to do. Let's do it. Mm-hmm bang out you bang out the first step of the day you start rolling the ball onto the next yeah for sure so uh what what are some experiences you've had over your years that have kind of made you learn how to deal with like struggle and the suffering or whatever it might be well like you touched on your dad and i think or like you touched on how your dad was a pivotal role for you to progress as as a young man and athlete and uh that was the same for me but almost in a different way where my dad and I almost have very similar personalities to the point where uh we just butted heads so much growing up that there's a lot of resentment there and that made things tough so um and my dad was never hard on me in the uh, with racing unfortunately he was actually never around too much because he was working and and trying to put food on the table which uh is just the way it is and and something even now and years down the road i'll be forever great forever grateful for but maybe something i took for granted as a child which i think a lot of people do but um i had i had i had two people that that were almost honed me in that sense where yes, one was my dad and he honed me in the sense of, uh, work ethic and just like, if there was something to be done, you do it. And 
and with us butting heads, I never really wanted to do the <laughs> yeah, that's what he every, wanted to do. That's every child, though. Yeah. Like, I was the same with my dad's like, you don't cut the grass. We're not going to the track tonight. Like, I learned, I learned from him work ethic. And it, and it's, it's care, it's, it's brought me to the point where I am at now. Like, I don't think I'd still be racing and actually doing it as a job if it wasn't for the lessons he taught me as a young man. And, uh, and that was just applying myself, learning how to build relationships with people and, uh, and respecting those relationships with people because they're going to help you along the way. Yeah. And like, and it's same goes to say, like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, but as far as suffering goes, <clears throat> I like mentally suffering and physically suffering. I had somebody else and, uh, he was a trainer. His name was Todd Shumlick. Uh, he ran this program called perform X. It was a motocross program down in California. He also trained, uh, some notable racers like uh, Colton Fasciotti, I believe Blair Morgan, uh, Sean Moffenbeier, uh, yeah, some badass guys that have won multiple titles and, and, uh, yeah, uh, Todd was a huge, a huge part of their success, I think. And, and I know for me, I, I wouldn't be the person today if I did not have that period of my life with him. And, uh, it's fun. So I went to perform X first time for a couple of weeks. Uh, just kind of met uh, Todd through some friends here in town. And when I first got down there, I was just kind of like a kid that just was going through the motions. Um, I mean, I was okay speed, not great technique or whatever, but I wanted to do better, but it was, it, I never, I just didn't see the tools that I needed to get the job done. But I also wasn't looking for the tools. Yeah. I was just like, hey, I'm I'm going to ride and I'm probably going to get better. Yeah, I'm just going to keep riding, ride. Just a punk kid that, yeah, just like to post on Facebook. Just everybody else. You know, yeah, like just trying to, to, have, wants to have fun, hang out with friends, chase girls, and play hockey and ride dirt bikes. A lot of the time you don't really understand what it takes at the time to get to that next level. Yeah. So yeah, I went down to, uh, perform X and, uh, yeah. So I went down to perform X, uh, through a friend locally, took me down there, uh, just for a short couple weeks and yeah, really didn't know what I was getting really didn't know what I was getting into and just thought it was going to be a fun, fun couple of weeks down in California. And, uh, when I got down there, it was intense right away. Like met Todd Shumlick perform X and you kind of tell like typical, whatever trainer guy is just going to be hard on you saying it's going to be a hard couple of weeks and we're going to whip you into shape kind of thing. And, didn't really uh, take it seriously uh yeah first, well anyway. i just like i was down there i was eating shitty food from walmart in buy, and out 
Yeah, buying those like massive Arizona green tea yeah. jugs and probably drinking one a day. 60 grams of sugar. Yeah, f- more than that. They're like four liter jugs of. Oh, like the big like the milk ma- cartons? The big old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, those ones are huge. Yeah, I drink like a whole whole one of those a day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, of course, Todd being a trainer just ripped me right apart. But uh, I got a good taste taste of it for that first time it was fun like kind of chewed me out a few times i mean i looked like a a dog football on a motorcycle um so i kind of got a taste of it it was fun it wasn't too it wasn't uh i i didn't get the real like full todd shumlock treatment just yet that year Uh, but it was fun enough that i was stoked to go back next year and and uh it but that first the first year kind of lit the fire under my bum to get a little more serious about racing and went home didn't really train that hard but i like started training and uh got into it but when i went down the next year when i had a little bit more time with him uh that's kind of when i started getting the whole effect of of his program and and how just kind of coaching me to be to be a productive athlete and and also just learning what it takes to to get there and because uh, I think for any successful person they're probably not going to have success if they don't have to go through some ounce of struggle yeah and obviously uh, that's gonna take different choices to get to where you want to go and and obviously different choices have a different return but probably any choice you make that's going to lead to progression there's probably going to be some sort of ounce of suffering i think for like yeah whether it's whether it's an athlete uh a person trying to start a business um a person trying to work through a relationship or anything work financial with, struggle anything, financial right? struggle like or trying to get to more financial freedom trying to work through school there's going to be some sort of ounce of struggle to get to the end goal yeah and or otherwise it's not really worth pursuing like anything that's meaningful hasn't has a suffering aspect to it right yeah you know what i mean like anything worthwhile is going to take hard work and it's yeah, going to take it, discipline yeah. and it's going to take doing stuff you don't want to do all the time right yeah and and if you're not suffering like if you're not pushing forward you're just stagnant you're not going anywhere you're just you didn't get up off the couch yeah you're still on the couch and uh yeah so like when i got to when i got to perform x that's kind of what some of my first lessons were and it helped being surrounded by a lot of other athletes there who were all highly competitive and and that's kind of where I I got my first taste of like okay if you really want to do this like this this is what it's like because this is what everybody else is doing yeah it's more than just riding a dirt bike right yeah so and this is like for the people that do know Todd they they'll know what I'm talking about and the people that don't, they're going to think this guy's a wingnut, but he was like, like, I give this guy all the credit in, in the world for 
honing me to be the person I am today, uh, like, or have having a huge impact for who I am today. But uh, this guy was like a master manipulator, like, uh, just he he knew how to get under your skin and play just little turn, mind games. Yeah, turn the gears and uh, and I don't know if it was like the method to his ways or if he was just a little little nutty. <laughs> uh nutty like that and he just like wanted to fuck with you but um like i remember uh there was uh this kid named trey franklin and like hot shot amateur very talented ripped ripped on a bike looked good on a bike and was uh kind of on track to being the next the next thing in canada and uh or Maybe even the States, you you never really know. But uh, that was the one kid when I was there that I kind of got compared to because we're similar in speed. We're obviously racing each other and we're competitors. And uh, Todd always, this is how he like, this is how he kind of slowly eased me into like learning how to struggle by being like, we'd be at the track and we'd do a moto and Trey would be just in front of me, but I, we'd be like neck and neck the whole th- whole time. Basically. Yeah. Obviously there'd be days where not even close to each other or even days where I'd be a little in front of him. But for the most part, like, uh, pretty close, tr- pretty close, but Trey had an edge on me. Yeah. You see that with a lot of like the guys in the States, like you see like Glenn Helen one week, uh, Cooper and Nichols will be like just dicing it out all day. And the next week, Cooper's got a gap or whatever. Yeah. Like you and see that, that like teams that do that all the time. Yeah, and that happens. Like it's people have off days and on days. But what Todd would do is we would come off, and is like I I knew that like be like yeah Trey had me like can beat him, but Todd would say it. He'd be like he'd be like oh yeah that was that was good. You need to work on this, tweak this, yada yada yada. Trey Trey's got you. He he's got you by. Like he's got you. You're close, but he's got you. And just hearing he's got you, I was just like, oh, this guy does Sometimes not have me. It's important to like listen to the tr- like, be truthful to yourself. And like sometimes you're like, ah, yeah, he was like, uh, got me a little bit here. He's probably got a faster bike or this and that. But you got to be real and be like, okay, he's got me here, and that's how you grow. Yeah. But I feel like that doesn't really come until because no different than maturing as a person, you got to mature as an athlete too. And for me, I know that didn't come until quite some time yeah. later, where I was like very realistic with myself and my abilities and what I was capable of doing on a bike. But when I'm a kid, full of piss and vinegar, and you hear you don't the guy hear saying it. like, <laughs> "Oh, you're just a little bit shittier than this guy." Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you like, it just fires you right up. So oh, yeah. just, and I would get that every single day, just being like, like this kid, he's got you by a smidge. And I'm like, oh man, this guy, he, I am, I'm going to get this guy. Like I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I'm, I'm beating this guy today. <laughs> and, but then it started like, it started rolling into like, I got to beat this kid at everything. And so it'd be like, I got to wake up earlier than him. I got to, I got to, 
finish my breakfast before him. <laughs> I got to like, I got to load the van before I got to get my bike in the van before he does. I got to get dressed before he does. I got to do everything before Trey does so that I am better than him. Like when it comes time to being on well, the Well, it's like a mental thing though. It's like mentally you prepare yourself. And if you are taking the steps to be better, then it's kind of like a mental advantage, right? Yeah, for sure. So, and I think like, it's a little OCD yeah, doing it that sure. way, <laughs> but, but you can definitely apply those methods for, for anything really. But that whole little like fire he lit under my butt to get that going, that made me more open-minded to, to feeling pain and struggling and just learning how to push against the wall harder than the next guy. Yeah. And so and that kind of that started to compound over years and and I and I continued going to perform X for many years after that and there there was like some gnarly years of 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 training where I look back now and I'm like man I cannot believe we did half the shit we did like like and I I love Todd to death and he'll probably laugh at half the shit I say about him, but that guy, like some of the crap he did was next level. Like I remember one time where we had this, yeah, this beautiful house down in uh, Temecula in wine country in California. We're staying and there's about 12 kids there and he'd always call team meetings and we'd go sit in the living room and, and whatever. And, and we're sitting there for one and he was like, all right, so, I was doing some research last night and, uh, or something along those lines, just being like, yeah, I've been, or I've been uh, doing a lot of thinking, a lot of research and looking into some stuff. And, and I like what the, uh, what the, the U S military is doing and the Navy SEALs and the Marines and stuff. And, and I want to implement some of those, uh, some of those methods. And, uh, we're like, Oh, okay. So, and then he goes on, he's like, yeah, I'm, uh, you guys aren't going to know when it's, when it's coming, but when you hear the air horn, you guys, you guys come back to this, uh, to this living room and we're like, okay. And he's like, you're not going to know when it's coming. 3am. And then we're like, uh, all right. And then sure thing, sure enough, like a week and a half later, you hear an air horn at like four in the morning. <laughs> Just throughout the entire house, he's running around like honking this air horn, just like meh, 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 meh. just throughout the entire house. Every kid gets up, just dragging their feet, head down, uh, like half asleep. We're all in the living room, and he and we're we're like, all right, another one of Todd's things. And he's like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna go for a ten k run. Oh shit! And we're like, I'm like looking around everybody's looking around like wondering who's gonna pipe up being like this guy's fucking crazy but we're just like uh okay okay (laughs) yeah like three four in the morning we're out pitch black on the highway like 12 13 of us just booking it down the road turn around get back and yeah we get back to the house and at this point like we're all kind of like awake but tired from a run because he's i'm pretty sure he's in a pace car behind us (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if there's a megaphone yelling us to get our get our rears in gear but uh yeah we get back to the house 
obviously like kind of bogged from a 10k run is pretty long at four in the morning yeah i think it took us like over an hour and uh yeah get back to the house and there's a pool there he's like okay now we're gonna tread water we're like (laughs) uh nobody's saying anything but you can tell like deep down everybody's like oh my god we have to ride tomorrow and so we get into the water and we're treading there, treading water and whatever. It's all good. Yeah. Like four in the morning, five in the morning, we're treading water. And he's like, okay, it's going to be done. We're, we're done training. You can go back to bed, but not until you, every single one of you holds your breath for 30 seconds under the water. After we're tre- tre- sitting there treading water and our heart rates are probably pretty high. From Did just sitting there and, we're, and we're like, okay. And so he's like, okay, in three, two, one, go under. So everybody goes under. I remember that thinking that was like the hardest shit I've ever had to do in my life where I'd be, and so I, we were treading water, go under, hold our breath. I probably only held my breath for like nine seconds and I come back up being like, <sighs> like, like thinking that I'm about to die. And that was after the first wave. And he's like, okay, y'all came up way too soon. We're going to do it again. <laughs> and so, so we're like treading water again. And then he's like, okay, in three, two, one, go back underneath. We're all under like holding our breath again. And like, I think this time I probably made it to like 15 seconds. And then come back up. I'm pretty sure only like, one dude held his breath for uh 30 seconds and Todd's like okay he did it he can get out so he like gets out and we're like oh my gosh so another round and I'm like I am not coming up I'm not coming up this time I'm staying underneath and he's like three two one go under hold my breath hold my breath and I remember just like I was probably at like 20 seconds just like squirm and just like <laughs> like prepared to probably drown and somebody had to pull me out of there and uh pump me out but just squirming like i'm not i'm not getting up i'm not getting up and luckily i held my held my breath 30 seconds i get up and i'm allowed to get out but there's still like a handful of kids still in the pool and i remember sitting on the side of the pool watching these kids like almost ready to break down and cry in tears, just like for how like it it was hard. I, oh yeah, I it was tough, and and they were in there longer, like treading water even longer than we were. But I just remember watching these kids, just like having mental breakdowns, like they needed to call their parents and go home, and uh, which actually happened quite a bit at Performax. <laughs> Not gonna lie, but. Uh, yeah, just like, but it was experiences like that where I was like, the more you did it and the more you like, you were just like, forced yourself to to push through that adversity and push through just the mental, the mental aspect. Because obviously, there's the physical pain in that. And that's always tough. But it's, it's the mental side. Like if you can, it's like, kind of change or changing the gears a little bit where it starts working in your favor and, and looking at it differently. And, and the more we did, did stuff like that, the more it started, uh, working in, 
working in my favor down the road. And the more I was able to, if you were to look at it like a pyramid of how, of how I was able to deal with, with that uh, pain, suffering, adversity and whatever. And it was like, it would slowly kind of compound. Have to build a base. Yeah. Slowly compound over the years. Like once you do, uh, like, let, yeah, let's say you build the base and, and you do that first, first bit where it really feels hard, the first bit of suffering. And it's like, it's like, it feels really hard at the time. But then once you do it, the next, the next thing starts feeling easier and yeah, adding, for sure. adding to your pyramid seems easier and easier. But then also when you get to the top, it's like the really hard, technical, tricky challenges of like whatever let's say trying to let's say something with longevity like trying to chase a championship that like trying to and trying to stay in front of your competitors like that's the last part of the pyramid that like it's as it gets easier it also gets kind of tougher but it's i think the hardest part is just learning how to do it off the get-go yeah for sure yeah yeah that's one thing i wish i could have uh like if i can go back and look at my career from when i turned pro in 2010 it's like i wish i could have just seen the long game and it like just build slowly like i came out i had quite a bit of speed coming out of intermediate and i'm like i just gotta set the world on fire if i like i just need to go and get the job done instead of just like slowly building progress Mm -hmm. and yeah like this year or not this year but 2018 was it was a mental struggle for sure like going to going to work every day after like I'd I'd fly home on Saturday night or Sunday morning go to work Monday like it was mentally draining and that's the kind of stuff like you need a base to build off of to be able to get through that kind of stuff like it's not easy mm-hmm. that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to go through is like one of my proudest achievements is getting through that season for sure like I finished eighth in the championship and I was, I went to work every Monday after work and that mm-hmm. is very difficult and you need to have some kind of a base to go off. Like you can't just jump into something like that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that was also rewarding in a sense doing that? Like obviously it's tough and when you're trying to be an elite level athlete and you know what you're capable of, but you also feel like you're kind of at a disadvantage because you're not able to solely focus on what you need to do on the weekend. Well, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, do you feel like at the time that was like beneficial? You learned something from that? For sure. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't angry at it at the time. I was just, I just accepted it for what it was. And I'm just like, okay, I got to go to work on Monday. I I had no choice. I have to pay the mortgage. I have to do what I got to do to get to the races the next weekend. And I just kind of dealt with it. And I knew that I knew going in, like there was a point uh, like a week or two before the national started in Calgary, I was ready to quit. I'm get, I can't do it. Like we're so busy at work. I'm getting asked to stay. We're working six days a week, 11 hours a day. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And then I, like the week before I got super sick because I was just overdoing it. And then I think an important point is um, sometimes your greatest achievements come after like the point where you want to quit mm-hmm. like the bigger the, the bigger the hole you dig yourself 
the higher the mountain you have to stand on. So I, I was like at the point a couple of weeks before the first round in 2018. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not, I don't know if I can cut it. I'm not cut out to do this. I got sick. I was just overdone. And then I came out and I got fifth at Calgary and I'm like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do it. And it was that much more rewarding. Like that feeling is something you can never replace. Yeah. It's just the greatest feeling ever. And then I, I had the confidence to go through the whole season and I did it. And like, that is the great, that's honestly, it's like winning a championship for me, like going to work every day and still getting eighth in the championship. I don't know. Like that is like winning it. That's what I imagine it would feel like to win a championship. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's good to build off those small victories. It's almost like when, you remember as an amateur or even as a pro now when you come out of the gate, crash in the first turn, and you're upset, bummed out, this race is a scratch, it's out the window, you come back, and it's an unreal ride. You have the best ride of your life sometimes. Yeah. It's like you just let let the walls down and yeah. instinct takes over yeah. and your subconscious knows what to do. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> there's, a, there's always point i think in anything great you try to achieve where you're like man i don't know if i can do this mm-hmm. like even this even doing a podcast i'm like man i don't know if i can express my express my emotions i don't know if i can do that but i'm like well someone else can do it i can do it it's kind yeah. of the way i think about it like yeah, i think ears and a mouth yeah like there's there's no limits to what you can do with anything it's same as you know, going road biking or whatever. You're not going to be great at first, but you're going to build and you're going to, you have to build a base and you have to be, you have to be disciplined and you got to keep doing it. It just takes repetition and sometimes it just takes longer, right? But I feel like there's always, as long as you keep your mind to it and you real and you believe you can do it, you can do it. Like you can do anything, I believe. And it's, I think too, it's like if you keep, if you keep going through those experiences, where it's experience of, experiences of struggle, whether it's in the gym, on the bike, at work, uh, even just like clocking off the weeks uh, yeah. leading up to an event and trying to line everything up. Like that's, that's a struggle too. But the more, the more you keep going with through it and the more you keep dealing with it, the more it just becomes second nature. Yeah. I think that's why there's so many, uh, like you see – especially in Canada, there's a lot of guys well into their thirties that are having great success where for the most part, a lot of people think that your success should come in your mid twenties. And, but the guys up here, they're having such great success because they have that experience. They've been around the block a few times. They know what they need to do. Yeah. They've hardened their mind. And I actually want to read, I read this quote right now. Most battles we fight in life are won or lost in our minds. Mm -hmm. And all that is when you're getting to a point where you're older maybe you've got you've hardened your mind a little bit more like i find when i'm in a routine like mid race season i'm just grinding it out i'm putting myself through the meat grinder every week i don't really look at the couch and be like yeah i wish i could sit and watch tv you're just in the flow and you want to do it because you know that that feeling of satisfaction you'll get after you do it and you know that you can't go to the races half ass you're not going to do that right mm-hmm. you're going to go you're if you're going to go to the races you're that's the mindset i have if you're going to go to the races you're going to go prepared mm-hmm. and 
that's kind of the mindset you build up over the years of putting yourself through this stuff every year. And there's times where you want to quit, but you know that you'll never forgive yourself if you quit. Mm -hmm. You know, I think too, with the more you stick with it, the more you kind of figure out yourself as an athlete and, and what works for you and what doesn't and what caters to you in a sense of, uh, what you can implement in your lifestyle. And I know I found for myself, like, I guess perform X did it to me in a way where I became super OCD with my training. That is like, I cannot miss, I could not miss a workout or I'd beat myself up or yeah. I, I, I cannot miss cardio or I, I had to do certain things. Like even the, like I learned the whole making the bed thing from perform X and that was even something else. It was like, if I didn't make my bed in the morning, I didn't start my day off. Right. And that OCD attitude kind of helped me in a way to excel in racing. But then it came to a point where it just, it got so toxic that I wasn't enjoying, um, I wasn't enjoying riding. I wasn't enjoying racing. It it just wasn't fun because I was always so hard on myself thinking that I wasn't doing it right or I wasn't doing enough. You have to find a balance a little bit. Yeah. And that was me maturing as a racer over the years where I started just instead of listening to what somebody else had advised me to do, I started listening to what I was advising myself to do because some somebody gave me the tools. I just started learning which ones I wanted to use. Yeah. There's no one size fits all for a training program, whether it be diet or how much you put into it. You have to be, there has to be a balance and you have to be having fun and you have to still want to be doing it. Yeah, for sure. So would, is there any other stories you feel like you could share that, would chime in on struggle. Yeah. Your, your struggle, whether it's in racing, I know you kind of like touch base on your, your challenges with working a full-time job and trying to make racing work. But yeah, I have some like, stories. So, something that really like kind of hits or like it's, it's almost like tattooed in your heart. Yeah. It's, it's written on your arm. Well, I think I went over that with my dad a little bit, but also another one is, uh, I spent a lot of time with the Wilsons as a kid. Like I grew up, they were basically like my second family. Like right, I went Dean down, Wilson. Dean, yeah, Dean Wilson. Uh, I went down, I stayed with them for months at a time and it's, it's tough. I was a, like a couple years younger than Dean. He's obviously way more talented than I am. And I felt like I was always like behind the eight ball and it's, it was mentally hard like it was difficult to get through like it was hard to build confidence when you're hanging out with guys like justin bogold malcolm stewart and all those guys that are so live up to them they're so good and i'm just some i felt like i was just some squid and i feel like if i would have gone and done this a couple of years later a couple of years more matured i it would have been a lot more beneficial to my riding but also going through that stuff it kind of made me mentally harder. Like it, it's callousing on your brain to go every day and you're just trying to live up to these guys and trying to not look like 
a goon. Don't want to be the slow guy. You don't. Want, well, obviously, I was the slow guy. I was by far the slowest guy, and I had just gotten on big bikes, and it was tough. But I feel like that's a like that was a struggle I needed to go through to get to to being the racer that I am today. Like it's it's not supposed to be easy. It's uh, yeah, it's difficult, but that's what life is like life anything good is difficult right mm-hmm. um yeah it's just tough and that probably helped you like an experience like that probably helped you face adversity that you face today like that yeah helps you helps me helps deal you with it definitely a lot better like i it's you know you've been through some sometimes where it's not easy and it just makes the the tough times easier like when you know how to approach these things right Mm -hmm. i know like i was i was kind of having a conversation with my girlfriend um the other day and we're kind of talking about some of the i was talking to her about some of the topics we had wanted to cover on the show and and saying how uh, a struggle is one of them because i kind of feel that yeah, like like I was saying that for anybody to be successful, you kind of have to struggle through something at one point. Oh yeah, or else you're not, or else anytime it gets hard, you're just gonna quit. Yeah, and I've I read this, or I've been reading this book uh, by Mark Manson. It's called uh, probably a lot of people know it. It's like pretty famous in bookstores. Uh, orange book cover called Sub, uh, "Subtle Art of Not Giving a." F-. Yeah, and what he kind of preaches in or one of his main points in his book is that instead of looking for eternal happiness, because if you constantly look for that, you're probably never going to find it because you probably don't have the proper gauge of it. Yeah. Other than what you see other people have. Yeah. Like thinking eternal happiness is a Lamborghini or a giant house or a getaway home or a girlfriend with big fat tits. (laughs) There's no, there's no meaning to that stuff. Right. Yeah. So he's like, if you're looking for that, you're probably not going to find it. But because in life, there's always going to be your struggles and there, there's no way getting around that because what, uh, it's like, for example, let's say you work so hard to buy your first home. Well, then you first get you you get your first home, and it's very exciting. But then eventually, but then your fucking furnace breaks down, and then you're you got to replace that, and then all of a sudden your truck breaks down too, and then you that's in the shop, and then you're you're right back into the struggles again of trying to sustain. It's like the the struggle never really ends. So like, let's say that we apply that to our passion, like trying to find what we're passionate about. So obviously for us, it's, it's riding dirt bikes. If it wasn't, we probably still wouldn't be here doing it. So yeah, what he kind of, um, promotes in his book is instead of trying to find eternal happiness is focus on the struggle that feels worthwhile. Like, like what, what struggle are you not willing to endure, but like that you look forward to enduring so that you end up seeing the other side. And let's say the other side doesn't necessarily mean eternal happiness, but maybe there's a small victory or something, something that you can just like, you like have a little fist pump, be like, hell yeah. Like I did that. Um, but something that's like just 
worth worth working through the shit for and what and and i guess that's that's figuring out something you figure out over time like you you might grow up as a kid thinking that yeah i want to cure world hunger but 10 15 years later as an adult you might want to do something totally different maybe yeah. it's like hey i just i i just want to give back to my small community yeah. and, and help some local kids out and uh, try to guide them in the right direction. Like you, you never know what it could be, but it's something that you figure out over time. And maybe over time it could change too. Like that's that's something I'm actually at a point questioning is like, like kind of how I was saying earlier. I don't know when the door will close on dirt biking because for me it's still wide open. I, yeah. Like the opportunity still, hopefully seems endless. You're still young enough. You still, st- yeah, still enjoy it. Still want to do it. Still keeps me awake at night and. But that could change too. The door will close, and and then I have to find the next passion, what whatever that may be. Maybe it's raising a family, starting a business, curing world hunger. I I really don't know. But yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's in it in his book. It's uh, trying to trying to figure out what's actually worth, like what shit is worth dealing with, because there's you're never gonna find something where there's no shit. Yeah. You're going to be walking in shit for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you're not, then you're taking the high road and you're just taking the easy way out, right? Yeah. Or you're still in your parents' basement <laughs> and on the couch. Yeah. All right. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Uh, I feel like this one went a little smoother than the first one, at least for myself. Yeah, no, you're solid. Yeah, it's good. Uh, thanks for- I'll let you fly. Let me fly. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for tuning in. This is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Enlightening experience. And it is, it is. It's uh, It's not always easy to express yourself, and I feel good getting some of the stuff off my chest a little bit. Yeah, and it's fun, so. Yeah, this is fun. This is a new challenge. And, it's fun. Uh, yeah, keep doing it because we're still waiting for the paycheck to come. Subscribe, hit subscribe. On the YouTube channel. Possum Hole. Sick. What's the gang sign? This one? Possum Hole. Possum Hole. <laughs> Whatever it was. All right, Sweet. That's it. <laughs> Shout out to our IT guy, Christopher Fay. Gotta Say figure hi, out Chris. Gotta so figure good. out how we're gonna pay this guy. I don't know. Maybe, uh, what do you think? Thoughts and prayers, maybe? A couple, couple of Bud Lights, maybe a couple thoughts per episode. Not not the female type, but, you know, we don't have that type of resources around here. We're actually going to think about this young man. What does that the even pronun- mean? The pronunciation. What does thoughts. that even mean? I think it's like a, uh, a prissy girl at a party. I went, I'm, I'm a pescatarian now. What's that mean? Pescatarian? I don't know what that means. Pretty sure it's a person that doesn't eat <laughs> farmed meats. So no oh, oh, I see. So you eat fish. No that, beef, no chicken. You no only eggs. you can eat fish as a protein. That's eat it. Fish, yeah. Okay, I see what that is. You yeah. did that. I did. Yeah. What was the inspiration? It didn't last very long. I had a burger. What was the inspiration? Yeah, you were eating a burger when you got here. <laughs> What's the inspiration behind the pescatarian movement? I got to stay in shape, and I was looking a little thick on the, <laughs> the video. Last yeah, week. I know. I had to go keto this week. I was looking a little thick.